are listening to Brigade Radio 1. Welcome to the Antisocial Show. Welcome to another episode of Anti-Social Show, a show that believes you don't need to have superpowers to be a superhero, man. I'm Hunter Block, and he's... Tyson Saner. Hello, Tyson. Hello, Hunter. How are you doing, my man? I'm okay. Um, my uh, in-laws just visited me for a week. Nice. So that was cool. It was nice to get them to stay here so they could, so they could see Jareth. Uh, in person instead of on the magic box, mm. like the way we see each other, which is on the magic box. <laughs> yeah, Skype. It, it works, man. It does. It does. Um, so, anyways, nice to actually have him here. Um, how are you doing? Oh, I'm hanging in. Yeah. Yeah, I'm all right. Well, so, this actually is a uh, pretty good distraction, uh, you know, from everyday life. So it's it's. It's it's good. It's good. I I hope that we are a distraction for other people, a, a happy distraction, you know, or just a just just really it is any kind of as long as it's not a negative distract dis, a negative distraction. I hope that we are serving some purpose, somebody out there in some way. Yes, I always told you that you know uh, we are serving a, a purpose. Uh, there are well, theoretically. Uh, two, yeah, theoretically, but I think that there's two crackheads in a crack house. Uh, with one of those cheap Walmart smartphones that you don't need to contract with. And they're just, you know, hanging out listening to co- uh, Combat Radio. Listening to um, uh, Anti-Social Show. Combat Radio, hey, that's interesting. A little pretend- potential. A little potential first shattering there. Okay, so the other day I bought uh, The Evil Within 2, right? And so oh, really, uh, Evil yeah. Within 2. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I haven't played one, but this is a this is a pretty intense uh, horror, survival horror video game. Am I correct? Yes, it is. Okay, one was phenomenal. The second one's even better. It's just it's just great. I mean, if if you want like edge of your seat, you know, like horror, uh, that's definitely a game that's going to do that. Cool. Uh, is it? It's for also the Xbox One. Is it not? Not just the PS4? I believe so. Yeah. There's a there's a game that's just come out recently that looks interesting. Uh, I moved me here. Uh, people can't see this on the rec- on the audio recording, but I'm trying to access our controllers here. Um, anyway, there's a game called uh, Man of Medan, which is kind of like a uh, like you're playing a movie, sort of like um, Heavy Rain was or Quantum. Uh, not Quantum. What's it called? Uh, uh, Dreamfall. Uh, oh, I think it has Quantum in the title. Quantum, not Quantum Break. 
it's an older. Do you remember what I'm talking about? Was these games where it's like press the stick to brush your teeth kind of thing? You know, it's like these. Hmm? Yeah. So yeah. what's what's that one that I'm th- <laughs> that I'm thinking of? What's in my head right now, Hunter? What am I thinking of? It's a, a game that, that was like a few years back, and it's got quantum in the title or something like it. And it's one of those, you know, press sticks to dodge out of the way of the cars, you know. The, like the same, same company did Heavy Rain, I think. I will say one spoiler, though. What? One uh, spoiler for what? The Evil Within. Oh, yeah. Play Heavy Within 2. Or the other way. 2. 2. Yeah, t- 2. So essentially, you are the same character that you were in The Evil Within. You're, you're a cop, basically. And you have to go into this like kind of like matrix type world that they created, like a virtual reality, right? Interesting. That's, that's going like twisted within, you know? Mm-hmm. So they, they send like, the, there's like a secret society that's doing this. So they, they send this cop back into this like twisted reality. <clears throat> and <clears throat> it's, the world is designed to look like a little town basically. Right. So he's in there, he's got his gun and he's like, you know, creeping down the road and he sees like this, what he thought was an injured lady go running into this house. So, you know, chasing after mm-hmm. here she is like some kind of like creature and she has like a regular person and she's like uh, uh, force feeding him like skin and bones and stuff like that and like slamming his head against the table. And, you know, it's it's, it's really twisted. And then their eyes turn red. Eek. Oh, yeah. 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 It's it's like I said, it's it's definitely a game that if you're like not into horror will probably give you a few nightmares. I, I do like um, survival horror games. Um, I'm trying to think of the last one I played. I just don't know what it was. It, it wasn't Resident Evil 4. Um, I don't think. It was actually something something like, it might have been Outbreak, one of those Outbreak games, uh, where it was like, it's a zombie game. There's like a top-down one, and then there's a third person with a, uh, sort of... Uh, Sort of resident. You can choose to have the old school Resident Evil tank controls, uh, which I never, I never played uh, Resident Evil, but I did play Dino Crisis, and I know that that was basically the same controls and whatnot. And I tried playing, and I was like, I'm not digging these controls. <laughs> I don't like the kind of like, well, you know, the tank. It's like you know, turn and, and thumb, thumb left and right to pivot, and then press up to locomote, press back to, uh, you know, that stuff. That was. I, I couldn't get used to it. I suppose I could try to now, you know. It's no no harm in trying. I, I do try new things. Like, in fact, I have a video coming out uh, that will probably be out by the time people see or hear this. Um, uh, playing NBA Jam on Fire Edition. Nice. A, a basketball game. And I don't play, I don't tend to play sports games. Um, and it's just because they're not like, other than racing, I like racing. And nothing too, like, um, you know, I don't tend to play like Forza, the ultra realistic ones. I tend to like things like Sonic All Star Racers or Split Second or or uh, Burnout, the Burnout series, like Burnout Revenge or Burnout Paradise. You know, st- stuff that's like it's cars and it's racing, but it's also kind of unreal and cartoonish a little bit. And there's you know, you can do great damage and stuff uh, without you know hurting anything. Uh, or, you know, Sonic All-Star Racing, uh, Racers Transformed I've been playing. And that's basically like Mario Kart with Sonic characters. Or not just Sonic, but Sega characters. And also Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> so, I've been, so I've been playing as Wreck-It... I've been racing as Wreck-It Ralph, which is kind of fun. Yeah. I haven't been winning as Wreck... I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hunter just 
almost did a spit take. Now I, so I won on easy mode. I won on medium mode. I get the, you know, the bronze, the silver, and then I'm going for the gold and you have to get first place for gold, but it's like, it's just hard enough that you really kind of have to play. You have to race and you kind of have to practice. There's like speed up areas and there's loops and there's collectibles and then you can fire projectiles at other racers. And it does take a certain amount of like concentration. It's only three laps. So it can be over in a really short amount of time. And in the third lap, you actually, your car transforms into a, um, what are those, uh, what are those boats, the, the airboats that get in the, in like in the Florida Everglades with the big fan on the back? Oh, uh. Like a hover boat or something or, but, the, but it's not without, it doesn't have the, it doesn't have the, it's not like a hovercraft where it's got the big tube around it on the bottom. It's more just like the platform with the, with the fan. You know what I'm talking about. People, I'll probably put a picture up of one of these things and if we can't think of what it's called, but. Anyway, so yeah, you're, you're on a car for most of it, and there's like a loop to loop on one side. You know, it's it's just crazy. The first arena is based on a uh, on Sonic the Hedgehog games, and you know, so it's like they've recreated this giant red octopus, and this, all this stuff is just dressing. You know, I but I like stuff like that. It, you know, like being able to look over and go, oh, that's that's messed up or whatever it is. Or if I'm playing split second, I like being able to trigger events and have to avoid running into flaming trucks and you know, a ra- uh, uh, air, air, air traffic control towers that have just collapsed, you know, looking out for jet, jets that are careening out of control on the ground, you know, whatever it is. Uh, that makes it fun. I don't know that I, I would be able to get into something that was just ultra-realistic, because I don't know if it's my style. It's hard to say. So NBA Jam was fun because it's not, like, really ultra-realistic basketball. It's uh, It's heightened and kind of kind of cartoony but it is pretty fun i didn't win but i sucked less the second time <laughs> so, i didn't win i didn't win it's fine though oh and then the thing about not winning at the, the racing you still get like i failed to to do the hard mode to get the gold probably about 15 times but i keep getting experience points every time so as i get experience points i unlock more abilities for my car like changing the priority from speed to handling so maybe that might I don't know if it's an advantage, but it just gives me a different way to try to approach the track when I'm driving. So, you know, so it's a little less floaty or whatever. And, and handling, you know, is good because you get speed boost. So then it's just a matter of placing it down. The, I don't know. You do many racing games at all? or? Um, I did for PS2. It was like a Mustang racing game. Oh, yeah? Um, yeah, it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah. So they could be pretty fun. And we're back, and as uh, some of you who are watching the video version of this may have noticed, uh, we have a guest with us tonight, Hunter. Yes, we do. Uh, and very uh, awesome guest, I may say. <laughs> yes, indeed. The uh, the ubiquitous Ethan Dettenmeyer. Ubiquitous. That means, All right. That means you're everywhere, sir. Actually, I don't know if that's exactly what it means, but I like to think that it does. That means we're going to have a vocabulary test later. Uh, it's funny you should say that because I did actually make a quiz for you as I do for a lot of our first time guests. Um, and it is based on some words that are no longer used anymore. They've fallen out of fashion. Uh, I don't know if you have uh, heard us do a quiz on the show before, but that's, uh, what we do. It's just five. Well, mm, go ahead, Jim. let me interrupt you and start by saying that I love the, this show and I love the two of you. So this is, uh, oh, I, I don't know what took me so long to get the invite. You both should be ashamed of yourselves, but here we are. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I might have been putting it in that mailbox in a beautiful mind by accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'm glad to be here now, and it's good to see both of you. So 
we can start with a quiz or, or you can uh, interrogate me on other matters. It's up to you. It's just nice to be here. Oh, and again, thank you for, you know, we do have, um, uh, we, we probably have a few things. Hunter, did you have something you wanted to lead off with? Well, I would, I would say it's a very unpredictable show at times, uh, you know, <laughs> depending on who's on the show, of course, which always makes it, uh, always changes the, uh, the normal dynamic of uh, what the show normally is. Um, and, and you know what? I love guests because it just, it just, just does it for me, you know? Like well, that. I'll try to make, I'll try to make the rest of the, the other guests proud. I'll try to make you guys proud as hosts. I'm sorry, I don't do a lot of Skype from this office, so I'm kind of moving things around. Sorry. Perfectly okay. This is part of the uh, this is part of the, the dare I say charm of whatever this show has become over the last couple of years. It's just uh, well, you guys are you're both quite charming. Oh, thank, thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I appreciate what? that. Uh, my, what my, my office is still coming together. It's still the, the new studio is still not right. It looks good though, tech wise. It looks like you're all ready to go. You got a screen on your mic. A headset. You're far more professional than than we are over here right now. I'm uh, I'm using a Pro X uh, sound mixer. Yeah. Uh, an all in that computer. He's even got a mixer. Wow. Mm. Yes, sir. Got okay, my, good. Got myself a Baron. So, yes, sir. I do think right. <laughs> you know, it's Halloween coming up. I'm going to try to put you guys in some in some Halloween trenches. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah. Well, you got some. Uh, so, what's what's the uh, how many al- uh, charity albums for Halloween specifically has it been this year? Is this the fifth or the sixth? Uh, I actually think this is the fourth. There was one year we didn't do it, and we yeah. started them after. We started them later than the Christmas CDs. Oh. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, we did. So, yeah, but I mean, wait, no, this will be this will be the fifth. I think mm-hmm. maybe. I have to double check. Shoot, I should know this. That's fine. So the Christmas one was first. We can, yeah. So uh, how did the Kava Radio Charity albums come to be? Well, we were talking about it for probably two years, and uh, the idea was an old one. And we had another co-host on the show who, for whatever reason, you know, he had great music connections, but made it sound like asking them to contribute something to us an album for social services was a big deal. Hmm. And then one day we just started asking for tracks and figuring it out. And it actually was a lot easier to put together than we realized. I had never produced anything and I had never done a CD, but now the tech makes it so easy. So I just started asking interesting people to donate tracks. So we started with the guys from Oingo Boingo, one of which is Steve Bartek, you know, and he's also Danny Elfman's orchestrator. So he had some tracks lying around that were suitable you know, nothing from like the Nightmare Before Christmas, Beetlejuice, or Batman, but he had some good stuff. So we just started with them and whoever else was interested. And uh, it was, there was so much fun material, and we didn't want to cut anyone that it turned out to be a two disc, uh, a two disc set. And they've all been two disc sets. I, I don't think we've ever done a single disc CD of any kind. And now we've done what I think is for Halloween and maybe for Christmas. Cause Christmas, we definitely took a year off from one. We were, Oh, I didn't know that. Okay, because I, I yeah, remember... we did a we, we did a Christmas Carol. We did a Christmas Carol for it one year. Okay, um, and then we the following year, I I don't know what it was, but we just didn't assemble one. We were too busy with other things. Well, you have an event that you an end of year uh, event that happens for the, every year for what is this nine years now? <laughs> Something like seven or nine years. I know it's somewhere in there. This is the ninth Christmas, but let me tell you what you really got coming this way. Actually, okay, as most people know. Uh, December 7th will be our ninth annual Christmas event where we 
we bus in Polar Express style, like about 600 children and their families for Christmas. It's presents, it's brunch, it's entertainment, it's all that stuff. However, to help support that event on November 17th, and you guys are welcome if you can make it to Los Angeles, we're going to do a super event, a fundraiser and a thank you party. And we're doing it with some of the guys from The Simpsons, Futurama, The Avengers, who are going to read a Christmas carol from our album. It's audience, an audience interactive thing they're doing. Wow. And then that's going to be followed by a concert featuring some of the members of Guns N' Roses, Quiet Riot, Danzig, Rat, and Typo Negative. Nice. Very cool. So, yes. So I think there's plenty of fine hotels in the area for the two of you. If you can make it out, we'll set you up so you can cover it. We'll put a little uh, antisocial booth together. You guys can come. <laughs> We'll, we'll run everyone through. We'll get your shirts. We'll get you. We'll, we'll get. To, we'll get a little retail booth. We'll set you guys up, and we'll send everyone through your booth once they exit the red carpet. Nice, nice. That's nice. November seventeenth. You can actually go to Ticketmaster and get tickets for it, mm-hmm. or you can win tickets, or you can get tickets by donating to the cause at GoFundMe, which is GoFundMe.com/slash Combat-Radio-Christmas-Nine with Christmas and Nine spelled out. So, uh, so N-I-N-E, then. N-I-N-E, yes, and no Xmas. No you can make a donation there and get, like, a VIP backstage pass mm-hmm. uh, pack for you and your friends where you can hang out backstage with all the talent and really wreck the place. <laughs> or you can go to Ticketmaster and get your tickets. Metal. Very cool. Yes, Ticketmaster slash a Combat Radio Christmas or Combat Radio Christmas Carol. Combat Radio brings it right up on Ticketmaster. Nice. nice. So go. Go today and uh, yes, buckle up for impact. That's my business. So, yeah, we're getting ready for Christmas and we're getting ready for Hall- Halloween's hugely busy. In fact, we already did a Halloween show from Salem. Oh, really? And uh, Yeah, we did a Halloween show from Salem, Massachusetts. We're doing one from Disneyland. Again, we've done Disneyland before. Haunted, the haunted part of Disneyland. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're doing something from Edgar Allan Poe's. Uh, college dorm room and we're doing something from Whitechapel on the Ripper, Jack the Ripper trail and we're trying to get Hunter Block or some correspondent into Sleepy Hollow again. Oh, I definitely plan to go back to Sleepy Hollow. It's only like an hour from my house, so it's an easy drive and as far as Salem's concerned, this is actually a good time, like August, September, to go to Salem. Went to Salem last year. You try going to Salem during October, it's almost impossible. Yeah. That's what I hear. I hear October's out, half a million people. We just went, actually. I was back east for a military funeral. Oh. And to make it adventurous, we went out there to check it out. And I watched all the YouTube coverage, you know, that, that the that the kids do, you know, so I can get a sense of what Salem was about and know where to go. But Salem is basically the size of the palm of your hand. You can just show up and you can walk the town in a matter of hours. Yep, you can. They have really, uh, they have really cool uh, shops, right? And a lot of it's yeah. obviously witchcraft-themed. Uh, they got mm-hmm. cool museums, and uh, at night they do like haunted tours. Like you could do like a haunted walk tour uh, throughout certain parts of the town, and they're like, "Yeah, well, this is where you know so and so died, and you know right. uh, this is the rich guy's house where somebody crawled in through his window and stabbed him." You know, yeah, it's, it's really cool. In fact, uh, they were doing those <laughs> tours, but I was only in town for one night, so and I ended up having margaritas and ended up in a place called Ledger's. You know it. Yes. So at that point, I was like, I'm not ready to stumble around this place in the dark. Uh, I'll just I'll call it quits. However, we did stay in the Salem Inn, which is haunted. We stayed in room 17, room 15, 
Room 17 is haunted, so we were two doors down from the haunt. A little, little depressing. Beautiful place, though. It's still, you know, it's very awesome, and it's still got its historical angles, but it's still a degree or two away from full, uh, like, Disney tourist experience. You know what I mean? They're still kind of getting that part right. Huh. So there, there's actually, uh, there's not to cut you off, Tyson, but there's actually in Salem, there's actually a wand store um, where this guy makes, like, obviously, uh, handcrafted wands. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes. And then right next to it, there's a fully licensed Harry Potter store where everything is Harry Potter. It's, it's fabulous. Yeah. Lots of Harry Potter stuff. My daughter bought a bunch of stuff, shirts and sweatshirts with like the witch symbol on it so she can scare all the Christian kids at her school when she goes back the, tomorrow or this week. So is, it, is the one store called Ollivanders or, uh, or is it? No. Was that? Uh, I think so. I, I have a, I have a wand from that store floating around here somewhere. Uh, I have, I had to have it. There's some cool stores. There's some not so cool stores. There's a store called Remembering Salem. A little bit racist, I think. There's a couple of other stores that were really great. How, how you know what I'm just saying? Sorry. Huh? I was going to ask no, how, you, a, how a store is racist because I'm curious. Well. I you know first of all what's interesting is everyone actually told us to avoid that store and I didn't know what that was about because. But the hotel was like, well, don't go there. Go to these other stores. And then when I was there, um, an African-American girl walked up to the door and the girl slammed it in her face and said, we're closed. And then so the girl was going to go to the next door and they go, well, we own that one, too. And it's closed. Remembering Salem, everybody. And that's what I. So I saw that and said, well, this place then, basically. Yeah, that's I don't I don't know what you would um, attribute that to if it's not racism. No, that's, uh, yeah, and I mean, especially, gosh, wow, that's that's sad. Yeah, but the rest of the town was fantastic. It was really it was really cool. Like Hunter says, there's a hundred shops. There's like a Count Orlock's museum. There's all these, I mean, they've, they've really understood what their business is now. You know, like they now have embraced, we're full go on the witchcraft. So let's get the stores, let's get the wands, let's make the shirts. It's, it's, and it's fun. And I was a total tourist, so it was super fun. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you were just recently in Massachusetts, but um, have either of you been to, to the East Coast before, in particularly New England? Uh, I had been to Maryland, and I've been to Virginia several times, but I've never been to Massachusetts. It was my first trip. Loved it. How far away are you from there? Four hours. Exactly. Oh, that's not bad. That's like us in Vegas then. Yeah. I- I've See, never been further east than Minnesota. So the thing about it is Massachusetts is part of uh, New England, right? And right. New Englanders tend to have an attitude somewhat. <laughs> Do they? Yeah, it's almost like the South have like you know they're they're kind of like friendly, but in a the, well they're assholes, but in a nice way. That's interesting. And so assholes, yeah. uh, but in a nice way. Yeah, yeah. Like for example, they like Tyson, right? I would you know if he did something stupid or something that I would disapprove of, you know, I would say. You know, God bless your heart, which means I'm not really giving you, like, the consent of what he's doing. I'm just, you know, I'm insulting him, but in a nicer way. Where now you go all the way up to, to the north, you know, they just insult you in general, you know. So, oh, I mean, so, it's not like, so bless your heart is like a kind of setting pat on the head, basically. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. It's like, <laughs> Interesting. Bless your heart. Oh, wow. Or like when they say, oh, bless, over in... Uh, like I said, other than that moment at, Re- at Remembering Salem that I witnessed, everyone was pretty friendly. 
Yeah, Massachusetts, I mean, I, I said, uh, you know, all the way up north, but Massachusetts is, is a blue state. It's a liberal state. So it's, it's that's mm-hmm. have like the, I mean, weed's uh, legal in Massachusetts. So that's why, you, you know, they're all happy. They're all, they're all stoners. So, okay. Wow. So, yeah. Interesting. Good. Well. And they love tourists. I mean. I'm sorry. I was just yeah. thinking, I was just thinking about the history of uh, the 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 reputation that Boston Boston is in Massachusetts, is it not? Yes. It doesn't have yeah. the most lax reputation as far as you know, racism goes. Uh, I don't know how it is lately, but I do know that there's one thing that people talked about uh, that associated with it, aside from the great, uh, obviously the great university it has there, and um, well, Cape Cod from Splash and other things. But you'd always say, "Oh yeah, really right. racist," and it's like, really. Today it's racist. Like, like, I mean, today it's today it's notably that you would bring it up to me, right? Racist. That's that that's shocking. That I mean, you, you don't hear people say, you know, what's really racist is uh, Milwaukee or uh, or uh, Omaha, Nebraska. Right. You know, you might if like somebody had been there and you'd experienced it, but it's not like when you, like I hear Boston all the time, and also I, you know where I hear it from. It's comedians. It's effing comedians. So maybe it's not true. Maybe it's just her hyperbole. Well, I had heard that, but I didn't experience too much of it. But then again, I was only in town for four days. So let's give them a chance. Let's give them a chance to be more racist next time around. They could warm up. I will be honest. Yeah. When you said the thing about the Salem story, well, not the, the whole story, but at the beginning, you said people said you don't want to go down there. In my head, I was hearing that Southport Park, uh, North New England, like, oh, you don't want to go down there. That voice, you know, right. that that whole, you know, that's, and I thought you were going to know that's the creepy road that has the, or that's the really haunted store or, you know, nine, one out of 10 people don't come back from that store or something like that. I did not expect yeah. where it was going or where it did go. I no, uh, yeah, that's not where the pet cemetery is or where Salem's lot is. It's, uh, it was just for whatever reason, and I don't know why we were warned of two, well, actually, <laughs> we were told to go one place that was terrible, a restaurant called, uh, Rockefellers, you know it, and then uh, and then we were told to stay away from remembering Salem, and and for whatever reason, when we were walking past it, we witnessed that incident. So perfect timing. I don't, you be the judge, but no, it wasn't. It wasn't a fun warning like stay away from there. It's haunted. Mm. You know, the whole town is dedicated to Elizabeth Montgomery. There's a whole in the center of town. There's like a massive statue in her honor from bewitched, from bewitched. so yeah wow. what's hilarious if you think if your town is based and sort of has a triumphant monument to bewitched the whole thing is going to be tongue-in-cheek right you would think yeah that's like if we had dedicated something to say the three stooges it's not really meant to be too ominous i would think i mean and your husband uh the character i want to say belinda but that's not right what's her name why can't uh, samantha well, right. Her husband was in was in advertising. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I think they lived in New Rochelle or something. Like where Dick Van Dyke's character lived in, you know, or where Don Draper lived. It's like, you know, that sort of it's like Don Yeah, lived. yeah. I mean, it's like the place where, you know, I don't know, I'm sorry. I just I, I like the world of advertising. I find it fascinating. So It is fascinating. When it comes to advertising, right? The entire town advertises witches, right? Whether it's the mall, it's it's taxis. Yeah. It's there. There's a whole promenade that's just dedicated to every single store is a witchcraft store or sells something that has pentagrams on it, wow. and and the, that's basically the entire promenade. And 
I mean, it, it, it's, listen, for what it is, it's cute. You know, you go there, you, you know, you learn some interesting things about witchcraft and you, you know, you buy some stuff, but it's also expensive in some of them stores too. Mm-hmm. Here, you walk yeah, down they the understand. Park. It's like Disney. It's like downtown Disney. They, you know, you're the mark and they're going to get you one way or another, either with a wand or with a meal or with a sweatshirt, you know, but it's fun. You know, you, if you understand that that's what's going on there, it's fun. And they, and they take the history of it very seriously. They don't, that part is very interesting. I would stay out of the wax museum, though. Oh, I think I was already in it. Which one? Orlocks or the the witch museum? The witch museum. There's a yeah, we did it. Witch museum where there's just like a curtain. You just walk around the curtain and you're done. Um, and it's complete. I'm sorry, that was a complete ripoff. So essentially, you walk in. There's a little mini store at the bottom, whatever, and then that's where they sell the tickets. And you know, you buy the tickets, and then this. Supposed wax museum is on the second floor. So you go upstairs and it's a gigantic room that's been cut off uh, or, or separated by this curtain that kind of like twists and turns and things like that. And along the opposite wall, that's where all the wax uh, uh, displays are. Right. But once you get around that, um, that long curtain, which takes all about five, six minutes, unless you're reading the little placards, that's pretty much the entire tour. Yeah, there's a lot of exit through the gift shop philosophy there. You know what I mean? Uh-uh. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. But I'm sure Sleepy Hollow's doing a lot of the same stuff for Halloween, particular. Oh. You oh, know. Yeah. Sleepy Hollow definitely gets into it on Halloween. They got uh, one of the best places to eat is the Headless Horseman Cafe. Of course. Oh. So we're going to need to send you in there to review the menu. You got you can film stuff on your phone, right? Absolutely. I got an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, get us some footage. Get the bridge, get the graveyard, get all the Washington Irving. Okay. All the Washington Irvingness you can, I guess. And then go have a meal on us. We'll send you some dough. Absolutely. Do you suppose? Like I said, Sorry, go ahead. I'll, I'll go back to the Headless Horseman Cafe. <laughs> oh, it's a cafe. Okay. So I'm, for some in my head, it was like a restaurant. And then it's like, because I was like, I heard Headless Horseman. And then my mind completely spaced on the cafe part. So I was going to ask if it was the sort of place that like had free bread or something. But like doesn't really sound like we almost went to Sleepy Hollow. In fact, we might have if we had a couple more days. It was about four hours away, I think, from where we were. Wow. Sleepy Hollow. There's a place that I would love to re-venture, and it's only an hour from here. It's in Pennsylvania. It's in the mountains. It's only an hour from here. I was there one time. Um, I couldn't really see much, right? And it's basically the same town that uh, Silent Hill was based off of, Centralia. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the town that's on fire. Yeah, cool. but the, the thing about it is it's the only interesting thing to see in Centralia is um, the uh, graffiti highway that's been abandoned. So now they reopened it so that you can actually go there legally now and, and take pictures and whatnot. It, it's really cool. I think uh, – is this the show? This is the show, right? I don't know how many people want to hear about my adventures in Salem, but it, I, I recommend going. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, we, we like hearing about whatever. You know, that's that's uh, that's part of what makes the show what it is. Is that whatever a person would like to bring to it is uh, what we is what we receive. So, although- well, I don't know what's going. I don't know what's going on in Oregon, but uh, maybe we can send you on the road, Tyson, for like some sort of adventure. And then uh, I was, you know, you got my note about maybe re redo visiting some. I mean, you, both of you guys can do it if you want, but we were going to revisit some classic horror movies like we used to do. Uh, I can't, really, can't believe that was been years ago that we did that. Well, there's some haunted locations in uh, Eureka, the next town over where I live. Uh, yeah. 
It's my, there might be some here in uh, Arcata, but uh, I'm not sure. That was the show Eureka. Was that based on that Eureka? I don't think it was. I, you know, because I thought perhaps, but I've, I'm going to actually have to watch some episodes of it in order to determine if the if the location is because from what I could see, it seemed uh, a lot more Astoria like. Uh, but I'm, I'll have to I'll have to look at it. And I've been to Astoria. How? How far is the is the Twin Peaks location from you? Is or is that in the the next state up? That is in Washington, in a place yeah. called I think Clay Ellum. Wrong, I believe it is. And mm. there was also a Rose something. There was a Rose. Well, Clay Ellum is like C L E, and then a separate word, and then I think it's E L L U M or something like that. And I believe that's where the uh, cafe was. Wrong, uh, the, the, or the place that had the diner, whatever the place that had the good pie and coffee. Right. I need to. I right. have another show that I need to like finish because I only got like three or four episodes into it. I enjoyed it, but I didn't have. I couldn't watch it when it was first run because it was on ABC. And sometime in the mid '80s, the uh, three television stations that you could get if you didn't have cable switched. Mm-hmm. So like, I we used to have when I was before 1984 or whatever it was. We had um, CBS, ABC, and then PBS. Uh, and I watched a lot of PBS, of course. I was a Sesame Street child. Uh, and then, uh, and then, like in the in the after eighty four, uh, ABC went away, and it, we've got NBC on three, uh, CBS moved to six, and then we still have PBS. If you didn't have cable, so it didn't get to see. Um, well, certainly Saturday morning cartoons, the Gummy Bears anymore because that was mid season. Uh, and then, as time went on, I didn't get to see Twin Peaks or or MacGyver or anything that was on uh, ABC really. And that's big, you know, big, it's fine. I big lot that for you when gummy bears went down was that a big loss for the tyson household that was a pretty fun show also i was 10 years old i mean no so right. well, gummy bears the the that show was the show all right <laughs> gummy bears bouncing here and there and everywhere wild yes. adventures that's beyond compare they are the gummy bears did you, did you hear they're bringing he-man back yeah. I, I had but what perhaps you have heard more than i have no i just i just saw what was on twitter tonight that uh, Kevin Smith is going to do a new animated series. Well, they brought She-Ra back, and one of our friends was one of the directors and characters on that. So I figured when that came back that He-Man was probably not too far behind. He-Man. Yeah, they actually, didn't they revitalize that show in the early 2000s or late 90s also? Like, I seem to remember, they did, like, a second ago at Masters of the Universe cartoon, like, that Hunter's shaking his head. Uh, it might have been on the Cartoon Network. It might have been on Fox. I don't know. Uh, but I feel like it was a thing. So I'm glad it's coming back. I, I had thought I had, I had thought I had heard uh, that there was another live-action He-Man film in the works. But I hope there is because we got robbed on the first one. We got what? We got robbed. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> By Canon Pictures? No, Canon. Bad news. We got robbed. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, I, well, I saw the movie. It, it, it's okay. Um, Franklin Tell is great, isn't it? Oh yeah, that's that's what makes the entire uh, uh, movie right there is his performance. Um, I mean, you went from you, you went, you know, take like Franklin Jello. We've had this conversation before, Tyson. You, you take a guy who did uh, uh, theory, uh, theory, if I can speak English, mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Uh, yeah, theatrical, right? That that's what he did. He acted in the theater, and what he did was he he did Dracula, right? Mm-hmm. And then he did it in the movies, and then, of course, now he's like, you know, Skeletor, so this guy's badass. 
essentially. And that's why that movie is what it is. And if it wasn't for him, the movie wouldn't be what it is. I mean, can you imagine if they got Matthew McConaughey to do Skeletor back in those days? I mean, <laughs> that would have been interesting. Yeah. Well, also he would have been like, I don't know, 15 or something. Uh, I mean, had he been an adult in those days and not just 15 to, to you know what I mean? Well, they're going to bring the movie back, too, at some point, And I guarantee you, you'll get a Skeletor that most of you will not like. Just the way it goes. Uh, Hopefully, we'll get Ben Affleck as Skeletor. Ben Affleck as Skeletor, wow. Ian McShane as Skeletor. Oh, my God. Everyone give Black Sheen. Well, what about Michael Sheen as Skeletor? That'd be interesting, huh? I mean, it would work, but I'm not a big Michael Sheen guy. You You know who I think could probably play him really well is Carl Urban. I'll tell oh, you. Yeah. I'll tell you who would play a good Skeletor. Hmm. Donald Trump. Oh wow! Right, because you know he'd be like, "I'm taking over Internia, okay? It's going to be great, okay?" <laughs> well, what you need is a politician character much like that—that's an alliance with the devil, you know, which is Skeletor, basically. But it's very promising, you know. Who knows? Should be fun. Yeah. Don't take it too seriously. I saw a new TV show. Actually, I don't know if I, you guys have seen this. Have you seen The Boys on Amazon? I have. I watched and? it all the way through. I enjoyed it. I'm you waiting like it? until I get through. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Three. No, no, all I was going to say was I'm waiting to get through uh, season three of Stranger Things, and then I'll go watch that. Oh. Yeah, I haven't seen Stranger Things uh, yet. I'm, I didn't like season one or two, so I'm fairly certain I'll be going to be wasting my time on that. Although everyone loves it but me. I'm the one guy who can't apparently get it. Oh, I don't know. It's just it's a nostalgia trip. Yeah, you know, it's it's uh, yeah. and it's also too much of, of one. Huh? It's too much of one for me. Honestly, it's really too. Ri- it ripped off way too much to make it, you know, I, I enjoyable. Know. But is it rip off or is it homage? Because it sort of feels like it sort of feels like Stephen King movies that were made in the early eighties. Like, you know, well, with that sort of overarching kind of Cthuloid sort of you know, Elder Gods, what's going on? Kind of alternate dimension kind of storytelling. Very much, very Stephen Kingish. Um, upside down is what it's called. Upside down, yeah. They always, uh, you know, they always like to use the word homage versus a ripoff. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I don't think, uh, I don't think a lot of what they did is out of love for, say, Poltergeist or Super Eight or Stand by Me or uh-huh. Firestarter. Uh-huh. I think what they thought when they were putting it together is they can use those elements and the audience they were going for maybe didn't know a lot of those movies. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, Firestarter, early 80s, you know, Poltergeist people know, but a lot of these other things that I, I think they were, I think they were putting it together hoping it wouldn't get the ripoff rap it does get. And then when you get the rap, you turn it around and you say, but we're just homaging it. But are you though, really? Because I thought it was like Silent Hill and... You know, the the thing with the Christmas lights was really too much. That was a really bit. That's part really? of where I kind of tuned out. Yeah, uh, I thought Winona Ryder was was really good in that movie. I mean, that movie. oh, she's fantastic. She, she does what any actress is supposed to do, right? She totally sells it. Sells I'm it, watching. Yeah. She does sell it. <laughs> you know, I'm just going. Give me a break, okay? So this guy's in Silent Hill land, and he can communicate with lights, and he sounds like Carol Ann. Like even the audio. Oh yeah, yeah, sounds totally. like that. Totally, yeah. Carol Ann, Carol Ann. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That dude, uh, that dude, Poltergeist 2 is totally creepy. Yeah. Uh, oh, the one guy? Oh, the, uh, yeah, all the, uh. He's passed away. He that did. actor's passed away. 
Yeah, oh yeah. I like really soon, like after Poltergeist Two was out. I think like not long after. Um, he was a villain on Miami Vice. I don't know if you remember. No, he was I... a villain. On, he was a villain on Miami Vice season two, and they didn't bring him to justice, and they never brought him back because he died. What network was Miami Vice on? NBC, buddy. Channel four. Must have been on a night. Okay, but it was like in the early eighties. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to watch a lot of. Uh, "Quote unquote adult television until uh, until later." <laughs> so I'm kind of catching up on a lot of that stuff, but I, I'm I'm sure it's a show I would have liked because um, it looks fun. I mean, it's got speed boats and blazers, and uh, I think I saw like five seconds of one. Oh, Philip Michael Thomas, who, by the way, awesome. uh, I, I might be doing a little remix of some audio that came out of this movie called Black Fist that he was in um, in 1975. I think he played a dual role. Of like this, uh, uh, this uh, I think a homeless character named Fletcher, and then another character that I can't remember what his name was. But but uh, that's all I'll say. Uh, it's uh, it might be a little public domain remix in the future. <laughs> well, un- unfortunately, Miami Vice doesn't really hold up. But in its time, it was pretty fun. And Philip Michael Thomas was essentially the show. A lot of people were on it too: Liam Neeson, Annette Bening, Gene Simmons of Kiss, Ted Nugent. A lot of people, a lot of people, Phil Collins. Mm. Wow. A lot of, yeah. That's pretty cool. A lot of people came through the door. A lot of people came through the casting office on Miami Vice. A lot of people come through the, uh, come through the doors of combat radio, don't they? I'd say. Yes, but I'm not sure if they want to come through the doors (laughs) of combat radio. I think we will trip them into coming through the doors of combat radio. Well. So... I mean, why wouldn't anybody want to be on the show? It's 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 a uh, this conversation of like just you know uh, often craziness, but like it's it's so it's high energy. It's uh, you know, people who seem to want to be there most of the time, which is great. You know that helps. And well, they're often they're actually often looking for the exits. And as your audience, as your audience here on uh, the antisocial show can now verify. Uh, Anything longer than 15 minutes with me in the room could be, you know, basically the Bataan Death March of radio. It just depends. But, no, we have a lot of fun on the show. And those guys that come through, there's a lot of regulars. We keep it really easy because now I'm busy running a complete station and I'm based over at Universal Studios. Oh. So I can't always put the time I'd like to in my show because other people's shows tend to come first mm-hmm. now. But – um, and also we're doing a television project over there that's now got, it just made it through the script phase. So we're, we're kind of getting sort of off the mark. We can't really do as much on combat radio as we'd like to, really? but those guys that come through though, a lot of them are real heroes because they're at our Christmas event and other charity events doing all the dirty work. They leave the producers, the directors, all those guys. And we were talking about Twin Peaks and David Lynch. And one of the guys that's one of the heroes who actually has a show at our station, uh, Steve Surchik, who directs, uh, well, he's directed everything from Daredevil to Lost in Space to The Punisher to the Umbrella Academy. He loves David Lynch, and I don't understand David Lynch. <laughs> so it's so funny. When we were going on to Twin Peaks, I was like, oh, here we go. Now this is when your audience hates me for not appreciating the genius that is David Lynch. Everyone keeps telling me or, or or trying to educate me on what a genius David Lynch is. And I'm the one guy sitting back going, what the fuck is this guy doing? Yeah. Did you see the documentary um, pretty as a picture, the art of David Lynch? No, he is a good artist. You know, he, he, he's, he's a talented guy and he, you know, he's very interesting to listen to him talk. Oh yeah. 
Yeah, he's, you know, he's he, and, and you know, he does. He has at times done interesting things on film, but Steve Sergic loves a racer head, and to me, that's just that's just a weird, unenjoyable movie. So we always have on-air arguments about it. And I thought we were, and, and he also loved Twin Peaks. And one of the guys that are doing a Christmas Carol. Uh-huh. Uh, with us on the 17th of November for charity and did it on the album who played Scrooge was Ian Buchanan who was on Twin Peaks for years oh yeah so I guess I shouldn't bash Twin Peaks too much right I'll alienate the Twin Peaks audience from getting involved with our charity I mean I like <laughs> what I saw you know um uh yeah so you know your audience is just going to think I hate everything well, I mean, like with uh, Twin Peaks, you know, same thing with Game, uh, Game of Thrones. You either liked it or you didn't like it. Um, yeah. I liked it, but, you know, that's not everyone's cup of tea, you know? I, I did, I just getting back to what you were saying earlier, I did like The Boys, but I did find the ending unsatisfying. And uh, also a little oh, bit... Game of Thrones? No, no, not Game of Thrones. Um, uh, the Boys, the first season of The Boys. Like, um, Yeah, I... I was kind of like, I felt sort of like, um, I'll be honest. Okay, so because it's Amazon, they kind of have, I guess, sort of built an uh, audience with the people who are going to are streaming. Like, I have the Amazon Prime service, so I get to watch the original programming. You know, I don't have Netflix, I don't have Hulu, I have Amazon. So if it's there and I'm going to be interested in it, uh, they have me as a potential audience member, right? Right. So unfortunately, it's so because they don't have to. It's what it seems to me is because they don't have to uh, go for television ratings. They can just go. Well, we don't have to finish the story by the last episode of the show. We can give the cliffhanger, and you know, uh, we could just decide, you know, to to make it that way, and then go. Well, you know, we're not going for ratings here, so let's, uh, you know. Let's do the second season. We could, they could just make the shows so they could do something yeah. like have a cliffhanger that relies on people like caring about the way it ends and caring about loose ends. And because there were plenty of loose ends in that last episode, I'm sorry, folks, I'm not giving specific spoilers, but to me, that is kind of a spoiler to say it didn't really tie up in a neat bow. Now, if they were going for multiple series, it's something I would have liked to know in advance is my point, because I feel like I was kind of cheated out of a finished story. Uh, because they decided they were going to do multiple seasons. To me, I saw it as a one-time miniseries event. So I was less mm-hmm. thrilled that there was going to be more. And I was kind of annoyed that they were like, eh, they'll come back. Yeah, I don't like that either. I really like good endings. I don't like cliffhanger endings that are deliberately designed to extract agony on the audience. And uh, I, I'm with you on that. They do kind of end it in a way like, you, 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 I felt like you, they kind of lost out and the audience lost out at the end, you know? They're just, yeah, I think so. They're, I mean, but for the most part, I thought, you know, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, it was pretty dark, you know, the humor was. Um, and mm-hmm. I enjoyed parts of it more than others. Um, I don't know. There was this, there was this level of graphic violence in it that I normally find amusing. Um, but there was something really joyless about it. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so it's, it's, 
this guy just sitting here like, yeah, you know, I'm sitting on my couch having a beer. And, you know, on, on TV, when I see some dude in a movie get his head blown off, I'm enjoying that level of violence. Well, you know, you just sort of go, it's, well, you, you sort of get a certain thing and you expect there to be like a certain amount of release. It's like, how how long do you want the audience to be uncomfortable for and still want to come back for something? And, and Well, there's some very tough, as a parent, there's some very tough moments to watch. Oh, yeah. And I I don't really watch TV for those reasons anymore. Like if the idea of a TV producer or a showrunner is to make us feel someone is so bad by having us watch something that's absolutely a miserable experience, I tend to drop out of the show. That's just not why I go to television these days, you know. And there's that whole thing where, all right, spoiler alert, there's this whole thing where like they have that DC9 stunt where he he accidentally like lights up the pilot. Yeah, and it's loaded with passengers, and and, and I'm watching that going, really? That's how we make these guys bad guys, you know? And I guess it was actually a probably a well thought out and well scripted sequence, yeah. but not the kind of thing I enjoy watching. I don't like to sit there and cringe watching stuff. Yeah, it was really uncomfortable, but I mean, I guess that was the point. But it was also like, wow, that's that's not a line you often see crossed, you know? Right. In, in uh, well, that's. But then it's also not network television. It's it's Amazon. So they don't have those lines necessarily, you know, they can, they can decide where the line is. And if people like really balk at it and they, with the Amazon people can leave reviews on their season, just like they can on any movie they watch and be like, you know, three stars. I liked all this and blah, 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 blah. Like that's, that's what they have, you know, and right. they, unless they have some other secret rating system, I'm not aware of because why would I, I'm not in the know on this kind of thing. But to me, that's, it's the, it's the rating, it's the star rating system and it's rated very yeah. highly. Yeah, and I'm not sure if that's a, a an organic rating or if that's Amazon generated. Uh, they've obviously, as everyone knows, they've greenlit season two, so they must believe in it somewhere. They must. Their for, their formula is warranted, and they're they're going to spend the money, so it must be working for them. Right. And, but I'm always kind of suspicious of you know Netflix doesn't show you any numbers either. We're dealing with Netflix on another issue right now, mm. and you know these guys tell you or Netflix told us that. The Adam Sandler mystery movie, which was awful, was like the highest rated uh, movie of all. They had, there was a big propaganda rollout. That was 100%. It just felt uh, not so real from my own film experience, film and television experience over at Warner Brothers. That felt very canned when I read that. Like, oh, you know, no studio really wants to make movies with. Adam Sandler anymore, but Netflix is willing to, and Netflix is also realizing that the last few attempts are not that good, so they better splash it, you know? Make this one look like everyone watched it and everyone loved it. Meanwhile, it's... I thought it was fairly awful, but... Hmm. I, you know, and again, like, I'm, your audience is gonna... We should talk about something I do like, because your audience is just gonna think, I hate everything. <laughs> and I don't. I don't. Well, you like the house on Haunted Hill. <laughs> yes! I like the... From 1958 or whenever mm-hmm. it was made. I like House on Haunted Hill. That's my go-to every Halloween. In fact, mm-hmm. I'll let you in on a little secret. If this Christmas Carol thing goes well on November 17th, we're going to do a Halloween one where we do a live reading of House on Haunted Hill. Oh, that'd be great. And we're probably going to do it from the House on Haunted Hill, the actual Ennis house. My wife. So, She's so amusing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's like so funny because... There's that great line, and I love to say it, where, like, the blood drips from the ceiling and yeah. hits the woman's hand, and she, and the guy jumps for the lunge. The Clint Howard guy in Elijah the group. Cook, yeah. <laughs> They've marked you. And she's like, oh, 
don't be ridiculous. Who would want to haunt me, right? And Vince, you know, you know, uh, Vincent Price just straightens his tie. And he's like, I would say any self-respecting male goes. <laughs> so it's lines. such a look. The movie's awful, but it's so charming and it's it's awfulness that you can't help but love it. Yeah. And I'm so glad Turner Classic Movies still play, it's free. You yeah. know, the rights for that movie are public domain. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But uh, Turner Classic Movies still runs it every Halloween as they should. It's a it's a it's total campy Halloween nonsense. We did a video on that one. So. Oh. Uh, what we did, yeah. We, or well, guys. We, well, we did a you and I, uh, did, I called in on Combat Radio. We talked about it, and then I put that video up on Combat Radio Images with some uh, visual aids. So there's a chunk on on House on Hotel on YouTube still. Oh, I got to grab that and yeah. put that on the new web YouTube channel because yeah, I yeah. forget there's all these there's all these YouTube channels we used to use that are defunct now. So I got to kind of collect all the material and put it up on the main studio channel. So I'll find that because that was fun. And what I did see that we talked about that was fun is we did Disney Sleepy Hollow. We did Tim Burton Sleepy Hollow. Mm -hmm. We did Plan 9 from Outer Space. We did The Wolfman. The Wolfman was fun. Which in itself has its own level of creepiness. Uh, that opened up a whole but, conversation about like uh, uh, the, mon- the the Universal Monster movies. Uh, the Universal right. Monster Movie Monsters. Universal Movie Monsters. Yeah. Sorry, I got that screwed up. But yeah. Wolfman well, Wolf in particular is such a hashtag ready movie with the Me Too stuff. He's so, Ugh. you know, he spies on her from the telescope, you know. Yeah. And for whatever reason, even though he's up on a hill, he gets some sort of street level angle on everything. Yeah, yeah. Hashtag problematic. <laughs> Yeah, and he's watching her, and then he goes down and admits he's watching her, and the whole thing would get a guy maced in real life. Absolutely, but for some reason in the Wolfman, it you know he goes on and on, and that's seen as charming. I would have been like, get this guy out of here. <laughs> he's that charming in it, and it's like, and reportedly you were saying that the actress that he was working with at the time, like they they didn't like each other, so she had to really put in her her her, her acting chops to pull off the I'm falling for this guy kind of business. Uh, yeah. My well, he was a big drunk, you know. Oh, yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, yeah. Wait a minute, didn't he, wouldn't he, uh, again, this isn't telling tales, tales out of school, of course, and I've never been to that school, so I'm just, these are just stories that everybody's heard, but didn't he do a television version of Frankenstein or something like that, where he played the monster and he was, and it was like a live television version, and he was, or was that one of the Barrymore's I'm thinking of? You know, what comes to mind when you say that is possibly him, but I thought that was Lugosi at the end of his life with his heroin habit, where he did a live dracula thing and totally botched it because he was oh yeah i would like to i hope somebody uh archived that somewhere because they did that if it's what i'm thinking of they did that in um ed wood the film um and it had um uh bobby slayton as the not sure which guy he was supposed to be if he was supposed to be red skelton or some tv personality i don't know i don't know what the what the what the material was adapted from so i don't know who that was, but his name, his character's name was like Slick Slamopovich or something. You know, he's like, Hey buddy. And it's, and it's a guy, uh, big to differ, you know? And, uh, but he, and then the guy improvises and he, and he doesn't know what else to do. So he's like, I beg to differ. And then they, they, they go cut it, you know, we should have gotten Carl off. He's like, I never said I could improvise. Yeah. That whole bit. Yeah. You know, it was such a hard fall from grace for those guys because they didn't know what they were in for really. And then when movies like Dracula and Frankenstein became huge hits, you know, those guys were studio properties and they were just they just were recycled in scripts that were worse and worse and worse. And they got they they really had a hard time. Well, um, I think Lugosi really had a hard time getting work outside of that genre. You know, Karloff at times did. 
Sure. But Lugosi, Lugosi really was always seen as Dracula from that point on, you know, and and I think that's part of why he could never really kick drugs. Honestly, he felt underappreciated. He felt, you know, he died in a small little house in the valley, basically penniless, in, as the uh, Ed Wood movie points out. Oh yeah, in like a suburb in. Uh... Uh, it was the one. I think it wasn't the house that when they filmed Plan Nine from Outer Space, and he's uh, uh, getting the flowers. Like I think that was actually the front of his real house. And then I believe they put that information in the film. So it's not just because it was in the film that I think that. I think that literally was his. Because I think I saw a documentary about Ed Wood where they mentioned that it was his house. Uh, it was like uh, Ed Wood look back in Angora. I think it was called. But the other thing to the other thing to remember about Lugosi is, you know, he was a World War One veteran. He fought with the Hungarians, right? And he did not have an easy time of it. And I think that was why he escaped with drugs too. Hmm. He was he did not he was not whole after the war. No, it's very sad. Yeah, it's um, it's it's, it's all very tragic. I mean, the the uh, the outcome, the ultimate outcome of war, generally speaking. Yeah. But we did uh, we did review Plan Nine from Outer Space, and the movie is hilarious. Uh, it's not as funny as seeing Bill Murray act out some of the parts like he did in Ed Wood when he's like, oh, "And which plan will you follow now?" Oh yes, hmm. Plan Nine, not Eight, not Eight. We don't use Eight anymore. No more eight. Eight's off the book. We don't use Seven. We don't use Plan One through Eight. We're now Nine, Ten, or better. I'd like to jump to Plan Fifteen, but we're going to stick with Plan Nine for now. It's so ridiculous. Like, and there's a handbook that they all have to study. Like, oh yes, oh, what's yes. Plan Nine again? Well, well, yeah, he, he literally opens a book. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. he opens a manual. Uh, oh, oh yes, yes. <laughs> resurrection of the dead. Like through electronic stimulation of the pituitary glands. <laughs> don't you like? Wouldn't somebody put their hand up and be like, I, "I remember that from the briefing. I don't need to look at my notes." Yes, we're resurrecting the dead. That's kind of a big one. It does. It does make me wonder what Plan Ten would have been. Uh, yeah, certainly. exactly. <laughs> plan Ten is to kill them all once you resurrect them. So but, uh, fun movie. Yeah, yeah, very fun, and and everybody's so earnest in it too that it's you know uh, especially Gregory Walcott like he's really acting his you know his 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 butt off. Uh, I find. I mean, he's also saying this strange dialogue, like saying things like you know, flying saucers are real. They hear. Instead of they are here, and then it's just leaving it in there. And I don't know if he that was his mistake or if it was just like he's reading what's on the page because he's supposed to read what's on the page. I don't know. I just know things like that kind of stood out. Or, or when the wife does a little speech, it's like you know, and then they're up here, there, and I'm in the graveyard's over there, but I'm in here, and it's it, you know that Edward's just like going, brilliant, brilliant, zing, 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 thing to thing to thing. Make him say it. It's like uh, the old story with Harrison Ford. He's like, well, you can write that, George, but you can't say it. Right. <laughs> right. You know, that's the one thing that in that movie, in, in all those movies, the actors are really sincere, yes. I think. In particular, House on Haunted Hill, the original 13 Ghosts. I mean, I think they knew it wasn't Shakespeare, but they all did their best to to sell it. Like, they, that's, that's what a professional does. You know, you come in, you may not buy the script, the concept, or even like the creative crew, but, you know, at the end of the day, you're... You're the guy digging graves, and you're gonna make you're gonna make it the most convincing grave digger scene in history. Amen. Somebody's got, yeah. got to work. Got to work. Right. That's a right. Do what you do. So those uh, videos though are so fun that we did though. I was looking back on those the other day because I was posting a few on Twitter, and I'm like, gosh, this were these were pretty funny to bring these movies up and start talking. And the way you edited it was great because you edited our conversation with the film, so you could see the audience could see exactly what we were making fun of. 
Uh, that was my intention. Yeah, I was uh, trying to figure out. I was kind of just learning how to do a lot of that stuff too at the time I was doing it. This is like 2012, really. When we uh, that was the first time I called in, and the show was like in April 2012. So that's that's a while ago now. It's hard to believe it's been going so long. You know, it just had its 10 year anniversary, which is crazy. But speaking of Sleepy Hollow, yeah. and Hunter Block, we did Disney Sleepy Hollow, and you know, my daughter said something very interesting. She goes, "You know, my theory is." that Brom Bones is the Headless Horseman and he just wanted to scare off Ichabod Crane, who was not very likable. And I have to admit, that's a pretty good theory. That's pretty solid. Oh, yeah. 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 It's, it's, the most, uh, it's the most likely scenario if, if yeah. one lives in a world where there aren't actually ghosts. Well, I love the idea of a real Headless Horseman running through the, you know, riding through the, the countryside. But, sure. you know, she pieced it together and said, you know, I, I think it's Brom Bones. So, so that's a that was an, ast- an astute observation. Yeah, she made she said that when she was like eight or nine. So watch it, and I think most people do watch it this time of year. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, tweet the uh, the antisocial show your own criminal theories on the headless horseman. Yes, that's at antisocial show and the numeral one a t a n t i s o c i a l s h o w and the numeral one. I'm going to tweet it right now, actually. I'm going to tweet the show, people. This is live in-show tweeting going on. I know I follow it. Uh, yes, I believe you follow. I know you follow me. Uh, if I don't follow it, I, be, I know I follow both of you, but I don't. Uh, I, I definitely should follow it. No, there'll be no excuse if I don't. But uh, but yeah, we should get it. We should get actually your audience's opinion on uh, absolutely on Halloween movies and what to. Yeah, there you are. Absolutely. Okay. Hold on. That's bizarre. One of the slasher age started in 1978 with Michael Myers. Oh, was that 78? Yeah, it was, wasn't it? Yep, so, yep. Michael Myers. No. Michael Myers is not human. Great movie. Yeah. Yeah, good old. Dude. You know, I hired uh, the sheriff in that, uh, Charles Cyphers, for another film, and we did a broadcast from the original Michael Myers house and the hardware store, which is now an Indian restaurant in Pasadena. And we did a whole broadcast from there, and we will be doing one again this Halloween. Pretty fun. Uh, you know, uh, I live uh, pretty close to Lolita, which is where Halloween 3 was filmed, mostly. Uh, oh, yeah. So Underappreciated want- movie. And a great yeah. cheese factory there, by the way. Uh, okay. Also, uh, just south of that is Ferndale, which, of course, was uh, Salem's Lot, and the Cedar Creek from Outbreak, among other things. I think it also showed up in Majestic and... Supposedly somewhere in the stand, but I'm not sure about that. Um, how much longer we got you for, Ethan? Uh, as long as you need. I'm, as you can tell, I'm. You know, it's. I don't know what time it is here, but it's. There's nothing happening at this point. You know, sad thing about Halloween three. Mm-hmm. It's a victim of its own title. Yes, it is. You know, it's not actually a bad concept for a movie, and it's actually fairly entertaining. But mm-hmm. I have some friends that were in that too. Uh, but. The idea of having it called calling it Halloween is what did it. They should have just called it Season of the Witch. I don't know why they just kept that as a title. Well, I uh, when I watched the documentaries on this on these on the Halloween series, uh, I think it might have been on come with uh, one of the later editions of the, the re release of Halloween on Blu Ray. Um, I think this, the story on there was something to do with they wanted to create an anthology series after they'd done the second Michael Myers film. They're like, well, why don't we? 
do Halloween themed stuff, but just with a different story. And it just, uh, it, the audience, I guess, wasn't having it <laughs> at the time. So then later, I think the property got uh, taken over by that one guy. <laughs> Insert name here. And uh, that's where Halloween 4 comes from, where they bring him back. But um, yeah, so I don't know. This is just stuff I get from documentaries and whatnot, just my understanding. Uh, the thing about it is, is, is again, it, well, the thing about Halloween 3 is it, it, it receives a lot of shit for that reason because, you know, it, it's placed in a series. It has no business being in that series, right? It's always been Michael Myers, right? And the only cameo he's made in, in Halloween 3, if you notice, is when the dude's sitting at the bar, he's watching TV, and that's when Michael Myers comes down the stairs. That's like a very brief yeah, uh, yeah. Myers so cameo. So meta, too. I mean, yeah. that posits that the movie exists in a world where the previous two movies are movies. Are movies, right. <laughs> weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's very weird. It's like, it's weird. It's a, as weird as that moment in Jaws' Revenge. Where uh, Mario Van Peebles and Lance Guest are out there on that boat, <clears throat> and I think he's—I think one of them is under the water, and Mario Van Peebles is on the uh, up the the above water walkie-talkie and starts going do 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 to taunt or to tease uh, Michael Brody. So wait, what? Hold on. What the f just happened? Literally, like they. So so that now posits that Jaws: The Revenge takes place in a universe. Where the Brodies are in a series of movies that up to this point where there's a theme yeah. song that exists that he could hear and then recreate for this character in the That's a sound of my history. You're you you're thinking about it much more in depth than the director thought about it totally. at the time. Obviously. It's just a silly yeah. decision, but then it creates these paradoxes in reality. It's like it's it's the strangest thing. Well, when they made that movie, it wasn't quite a world yet where everything was analyzed to the degree that people are trying to figure out timelines and off the script sort of parallel universes. So they just do those kind of things. Sometimes they just do those things oftentimes in movies because they're bored or because they think it's cute. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I totally get that. Like putting a little, it's not really an Easter egg. It's more like a, it's like a wink. I mean, I think it's part of that conversation we had uh, just in one time where movies just, people that make movies just expect you to, uh, expect the audience to just, you know, take a movie and just accept it how it is, right? It's mm-hmm. like, how no, no matter what they say or how outlandish or, you know, oh, how come they left the guy in the walrus suit, you know, for a year? How come they didn't, you know, how come they just dropped him off at the animal retreat and not, like, you know, cut him out of it, you know? It's just, it's, <laughs> you know? Well, what are you guys going to be watching this Halloween? That's that's the real question. Definitely going to be watching, uh, you know, the Halloween series, obviously, which I watch every year. Um, probably Night of the Demons. Uh, oh, I haven't seen that okay. yet. Okay. And, of course, uh, Trick or Treat. Trick or Treat. Uh, which one? The one with uh, directed by Charles Martin Smith with... Uh, with um... Skippy from Family Ties. I can't remember his name. Mark something. Mm. Okay, those are good choices. God, is that trick or treat or a different trick or uh oh something? Yeah, no, it's, it's trick, right? Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then treat. Oh, R with like the on either side. Okay, that's a different film. Yeah, totally. Uh, okay, well, yeah, Neil probably be watching. Uh, well, actually, I'll probably watch Rosemary's Baby for the first time before Halloween hits. Uh, although when this airs, it'll probably be closer to Halloween. So, and um, also probably watch the rewatch the Abominable Doctor Fibes movies. 
It's just two of those, but those are pretty fun. I like really like Vincent Price's stuff. I kind of got uh, went on a Vincent Price kick uh, a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, trying to learn an impression of him. Um, I will say, hmm. Rosemary's Baby is a good movie, but just keep in mind that uh, Guy Woodhouse, the husband, is a complete asshole. All right. Well, I okay. I'll look out for that. It's John Cassavetes. Have you haven't seen that yet? You haven't. You haven't seen that? Still haven't. Yeah, I, I have actually seen about. Probably. John Cassavetes. It's John Cassavetes that plays the husband. I've seen like seven to ten movie, movies, seven to ten minutes of it yesterday because I kind of wanted a taste of it. And I wasn't sure if my wife wanted to watch it with me because uh, I found out she'd seen it before. And she's like, no, you can go ahead. I'm like, okay, good. I'll, I'll have a look at it. And uh, I enjoyed what I was watching. And that's one of the reasons why Elijah Cook's name is so fresh on my on – my, because uh, he was in House on Haunted Hill. That's how I was like, oh, it's Elijah Cook because he's also in the beginning of Rosemary's Baby. So, oh. I was like – and I remember him from Maltese Falcon also. Um, right, right. Yeah. So, yeah, that's before he started going down the, the, you know, the crazy path. It's so funny how he opens up the house on Haunted Hill with all the screaming, and he's like, the ghosts are moving, restless. And then he goes, ah, allow me to introduce myself. Yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah. wait a minute. When they You're jumping him, was screaming ghosts. It's ridiculous. But it's so funny. It's just one of those. Uh, and I honestly uh, – yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm showing my age here, but I, I I prefer at this stage, like on Halloween, when I'm watching movies with my kids, to go into more classics that are less probably barbaric and violent. Mm-hmm. So I do like I'll, I'll watch the original Haunting, which actually starred one of our regulars on Combat Radio, Richard Johnson, who passed away a couple of years ago. I'll watch the Haunting, or the original Halloween is about as bad as it gets, or maybe Carpenter's The Thing, but mm-hmm. you know, it's like. I'll stick with you'll see me all day long. It'll be running on like the Draculas, the Frankensteins while we set up to scare our neighbors. We're doing a haunt this year, actually. Oh, nice. nice. We're uh, we're yeah, doing. Just, sorry. Go ahead. No, no. You first. Go ahead. I was going to say the fog. I didn't want to forget that we were probably going to be watching the fog again. That's sort of a tradition uh, that my wife, I uh, watch the fog. Um, right. Although now that we have a, a little one, um, we might have to wait till he goes to bed or figure out a way to, uh, or we could just forget. How old now? He is a little over six months. On the 27th, he'll be seven months old. Oh. Yeah, that's pretty great. He's a, he's a great little guy. Oh, um, but... Um, <clears throat> so let's see. Halloween. Oh, I was... Uh, you said something about a haunt. Uh, are you doing any kind of walkthrough tour or anything like that? Is that what you're saying? Or Well, we haven't mapped it out yet, but she wants to do a, li- a woman in black themed haunt. Okay. And... You know, we're going to try to use her friends because I think uh, live actors is probably your strongest element. Oh, yeah. So I don't know how it's all going to come together. You know, Halloween's so busy for us broadcast-wise that we have to kind of invest our time when we can on this. But if you've seen that, The Woman in Black, it's actually a pretty good movie uh, with I... Daniel Radcliffe. Oh, okay, okay. No, I haven't seen it yet, but now I know which one you're talking about. In my head, it was The Lady it... in White. The one with um, yeah, there was a lady in white, right? With the kid from ET, wasn't it? Oh, it was with Lucas or, Haas, kid, kid. From oh, Lucas Haas, Haas, the kid from Witness. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, and then you know they've done they've done the woman in black before. It came out like in the seven late seventies, early eighties. Really? That's yeah. It's a remake. It's the first film on the new Hammer lineup, and it's a remake, base essentially. Uh, but yeah. that's our theme. Well, I'll keep you posted on the developments. We no promises yet because. I've never done a haunt before. It sounds good. See, we, we're, we're actually doing a sequel to the uh, the Haunted Tour, that track that we created for the uh, Halloween album. Uh, I think it was the third or fourth Halloween album. 
Love that track. We should play that track live on the show this month. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, in order, at least you know you don't have to play the whole thing if you don't want to. But uh, you know, between oh, cool. like when you take you know, it was, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> no, it was just so out of the box. It was so creative. It was fun, you know. Well, thank it's, you. It's based on. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's based on when we uh, when I used to be part of actually the a walk through haunted house for a long time ago, like twenty years ago now. And it would be we'd get us we'd find a storefront and and just you know build a maze and then there'd be a room every few feet or something and usually mm-hmm. there's a person taking you through. They still do one in Arcata. <clears throat> And now it's the kinetic sculpture race people are putting together. Uh, every year they put together something called the kinetic lab or the kinetic, the kinetic lab scare something. And it's basically a bunch of puppeteers and things putting together uh, uh, attractions. And it's another walkthrough. Basically. It's just we call them, I guess they call them pantomime haunted houses. And so that's kind of what it was. The, haunted, the original haunted tour was like a take on that, where it's a hosted walkthrough experience, and and some of the references in it are very, very old or specific. Like there's a reference to the cabinet of Dr. Caligari, which is like 1922 or something. So you know, um, you have to kind of know film in some of those cases to like appreciate some of those references. You know whose favorite movie that is. Uh, <laughs> Excuse Billy me. Billy Idols. Really? The original Cabinet of Dr. Calgary? Yeah. is that hilarious? And it, I did not know that. It is quite... It is an amazing-looking movie. And, of course, uh, Tyson's character uh, is based off of Christopher Lee. Yeah, doing a Christopher Lee impression through most of that as the host. You know, so it's the haunted tour. Welcome. It's like, as we walk over here, you can see that there is some curtains. Play. What's behind the curtains, you may ask? You know, it's like, and that's a whole, and the idea that they're just probably walking on a ramp, there's literally probably a bit of curtains on a, some panel of wood. You know, it's meant to sound kind of cheap also, so like the curtains don't sound like, they're kind of like, you know, kind of tinny sounding and whatnot. It's just, you know, it's just a bit of fun. And then we you have, have, we should cut a video for that. I would love Ooh. to see it animated, honestly, but I'll, a video would be great. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> well, find the animators. Find the anim- find the animators you like, and maybe the studio can finance it if we see their quote. Oh, really? Oh, that'd be amazing. Well, you know who I would. I, I'll tell you who I would. If uh, believe me, pie in the sky is that what it's called when you have like the you know your your dream choice? Um, mm-hmm. It would be Starburns Industry, but uh, I don't know if that's doable. Even though they do fantastic work. Um, uh, they did Anomalisa a couple years ago. It was nominated for best. Best animated film? It was, but it went up against um, that Pixar movie, whatever it was that year. It doesn't matter what it was because they always win. But <laughs> Yeah, that sounds expensive. I think what you're going to need is a couple of like uh, Korean nine-year-olds living in a hut outside Polyang. Maybe. It's a 16-minute that, <laughs> face of that's audio. That's probably the budget we're looking at. Even for 16 minutes? <laughs> yeah, I guess I know. it's hard to say. Uh, but no, it's fun to think about, certainly. Uh, so I made a quiz for you tonight. Ethan. I can, oh, uh, let's quiz time. Let's do it. So there's this yeah. book, book that I found at Powell's Books in Oregon uh, years well, ago. Keep explaining. Keep uh, telling them what it is. I'll be right back. Just give me like five minutes. Sounds good. Okay, He's so had enough. We do this as a competition, so Hunter will be back for that. And uh, That's my first time that my ass kicked in it. Okay. Uh-oh. <clears throat> Excuse me. So... Uh, I found this book called Depraved and Insulting English. I don't know if you can see that. It's oh, it's reversed the way I'm looking at it, so I don't know if it's backwards to you. But um, I see it. Yeah. yeah, words to offend and amuse, and it's basically a glossary of um, just words that aren't used anymore because they are 
are generally considered to be rude. I will give you an example. Um, uh, ablutophobic. Ablutophobic is an adjective, and it means uh, pathologically afraid of bathing. And uh, then it explains where it comes from, and then uh, which is from Latin ablutio, which is washing, and Greek phobos for fear. And then an example to punish him for committing the unnatural act with a chalkboard eraser, Mrs. Schneider forced Henry to sit every day next to the ablutophobic girl, the one with the thick pigtails and the faint but unmistakable odor of old sausage about her. And then it has two other words that are comparative. Uh, one is uh, looks like odorivector odor and stinkered. The word stinkered was used. That used to be used. So it's words like that. And what I have is I've selected five words, and I've got a multiple choice. Uh, and once Hunter comes back, I will ask you each. I will tell you what the word is, and I will uh, tell you whether it's a noun, an adjective, a verb, or whatever. I'll tell you how it's spelled if you like. I usually do that. And then I'll give you a choice of three. One of them is real. <laughs> Two of them are not. And uh, we'll do that, I guess, a total of five times. That's that's how the game okay. works. And the game is called, What Do These Mean Words Mean? It's kind of an homage right. to uh, to Good Mythical Morning. I like the way they title their, their bits that they do. Uh, it's a great show on YouTube. Well, I'll try not to embarrass myself. I'm ready to go when you are. Alrighty, I'll be ready once uh, Ethan, once Ethan, once Hunter is back. <laughs> Sorry. Well, why he's away? Yes, this sir. gives me an opportunity to uh, again direct everyone to Ticketmaster yes. for the fantastic November seventeenth rock and roll epic extravaganza featuring the members of Guns N' Roses, Typo Negative, Danzig, Rat. Quiet Riot, along with the cast members from The Flash, JL, U J Justice League Action, The Simpsons, Futurama, and many more, including the Avengers and Avengers Assemble. You can also find information for that on the Combat Radio Facebook page or Combat Radio Twitter page, but just go to Ticketmaster and enter Combat Radio Christmas Carol and get your tickets, or you can go to GoFundMe.com slash Combat dash Radio dash Christmas dash Nine, Christmas and Nine spelled out, and you can make a donation to our annual Christmas event for social services. And get yourself a VIP backstage ticket pack. Mm -hmm. There. Be sure to follow Combat Radio on Twitter. That is C-O-M-B-A-T-R-A-D-I-O. And also Brigade Radio 1 on Twitter. Yes, yep. please. Which is where we are. We are at. Yes. Uh, yes. Well, that's BrigadeRadio1.org. You can follow them on Twitter at B-R-I-G-A-D-E-R-A-D-I-O. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, O N E. I uh, I sometimes have received criticism for spelling out Twitter handles on uh, Succotash, which I do all the time. But um, I do that because things are spelled weird sometimes on Twitter. So you know, it's good to know where the caps are and where they aren't, and when people are using a numeral and when they're using the actual word. And yada 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 yada. Right. And sure. also, not everything sounds like you think it would. Like uh, there there's uh, this piano player named Evan, and for I was hearing Evan every time, and I would search for him because I wanted to follow him on Twitter, uh, and uh, I had to figure out that his name was Evan because it wasn't in print anywhere. And it's like, oh, okay. Well, I I had to maintain my interest long enough to, you know, there are a lot of people who are going to be like, well, I can't find it. I'm on to the next thing in my life, but you know, doesn't matter. Yeah, so I made the sacrifice people anyway uh, that's sacrifice people that's that's getting up on the cross and taking nails right there <laughs> absolutely <laughs> sacrifice for you my people yes why well, make it so hard for people to find you so again combat radio on twitter and it's spelled how it sounds and you can run it back 30 seconds and hear how i spelled it before okay 
Uh, Hunter, I have brought Ethan up to speed on the game, and uh, are you ready to go, both of you? Uh, yeah. All right. And Hunter, you? Uh, sorry, I had to duck out there for a second or two. It's all right. Give us a chance to to uh, to replug the the events, which is awesome. Because the more we can do that, the more we can get people to hear about it, and the more people will know about it and contribute, etc., etc., etc. And all the momentum continues moving forward as it should. I just wanted to uh, run to the bedroom uh, out of the studio, of course, because the studio is here in the house. Uh-huh. Uh, wanted to run out of the studio to the bedroom just to check on my fiance, just to make sure she was all right before I continued. It's a good idea. So, you did, good. Make, you did give make her it our sound best. Like, sorry. Well, yes, indeed, our best. And yeah. you did kind of make it sound like the bedroom wasn't in the house the way you said that. But I, I, I understood what you meant. Um, I, I have a home studio, um, so that, that's obviously that's you know where we do the show and uh, right, right, right. Yeah. No, no, it's cool. Uh, okay, so the first word in what do these mean words mean? <clears throat> it is e- ecomaniac, not egomaniac, but ecomaniac. That is spelled E C O M A N I A C, and it is a noun. Um, did you write? It? You got it written down. Yes, I do. As I always. Ecomania. Oh, am I supposed to write this down? You can if you no, want I, to. If you, if you're, you, I always spell it out so it can be written down. If you, if you, if anybody needs to look at it, but that's that's, uh, we're, we're, you know, I, I, uh, any anything you'd like to do, you can. You don't have to, but let me know if you want me to if, to say it again. So I, you know, for that purpose, if you need me to. A noun, ecomaniac. Ecomaniac. Yes. Does it mean one who is obsessed with the environment? Does it mean? One who is servile to his boss, but dictatorial towards his family. Or does it mean C? Sorry, that was A, B, and now we're on C. (laughs) One who believes a stable economy, uh, sorry, one who believes in a stable economy above all else. I would say C. Hunter, what do you think? I want to say A. Although it may be B, honestly. B is just so weird. It sounds like it might be right. It is B. It was, I knew it. Is one who is servile to his ah. boss, but dictatorial toward his family. And the word. Pardon me. Where we is. Should be tweet, we, should be, we should live tweet this game, honestly. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, next time, next time we'll do it. We'll tell everyone we're going to play it. Uh, that would be great. Here's the uh, description. It says, Simpering yes man by day, swaggering bully by night. Sydney's ecomania caused him to be despised by two separate groups of people for two totally different reasons. Ecomaniac. A word is not used anymore. All right. Second, no points uh, being distributed. The score is zero to zero. Um, the next word is truggabelly. <laughs> Truggabelly is spelled T-R-U-G-A-B-E-L-L-Y. It is a noun. Does it mean one who profits from child labor? Uh, Does it refer to a malnourished prostitute? Or... Does it re- uh, refer to a short and dirty fellow assigned to the most menial tasks? Oh, man. A, it's one of the... 
A is child labor, B is malnourished prostitute, and C is short and dirty fellow assigned to the most menial tasks. I'm off my I game have, tonight. I'm not saying the letters. Sorry. I have, I have to go to C. Uh, C sounds good, but because he went to C, I think I want to try A. All righty. But Hunter down for C and Ethan down for A. Hunter scores a point. Yes. Yeah. It is. That sounds short, right. Short and dirty fellow assigned to the most menial tasks. Yes. Good job. This is, these are some odd words we have here. Odd words, people. Tapping, they are. Tapping, one. tapping pencil on desk, looking at camera. Um, all right. Third word starts with an H. Uh, this word is hypobulic. Hypobulic. That is spelled H-Y-P-O-B-U-L-I-C. And it is an adjective. Unpack your adjectives. So, hypo, hypobulic. Does it? Oh, that rings a bell. Which one of us was that? Uh, Hunter, I think. It might have been me. Um, but it sounded too faint to be me. All right. Uh, hypobulic. Is it A, one who is more susceptible to the plague than others? B, uh, to be covered in excrement. Uh, or C, unable to make decisions. Uh, C feels right, but I'm going to go A. All right. Okay. What you got, Hunter? Did you want I was going to go with A, too. You're going with A as well? All right. Yeah. So put you down for A. It is C. It is someone who is unable to make decisions. The score stands at Ethan with one point and Hunter with nil. No, I actually said A, but my intuition is my intuition is getting it right. My mind is getting them wrong. It's just where you, you put your chip down on on uh, on uh, on A after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Let's see. All right. <clears throat> so those are the H. All right. Last two words. Score is at one to nil. Again. Um, mm-hmm. This word starts with A. It is antithalian. Antithalian. That is spelled A-N-T-I-T-H-A-L-I-A-N. It is an adjective. Does it mean someone who is disapproving of laughter or festivity? That's A. B, someone who is disapproving of theology. Or C, someone who is disapproving of immigrants. B. Hunter says B. I'm going to go C. And Ethan goes C. The answer is A. It is somebody who is disapproving of laughter or festivity. Hmm. All right. Yeah, I don't imagine that. (laughs) What does one say? What does one say? It's one of those words that, you know. And I've actually not been reading the the examples they give for some reason. I usually do, but I'm sorry. Uh, If you care to know them, I certainly will read them as an afterthought. Pardon me. And the last word of the evening is a chance uh, for Ethan to score two, for the score to remain as it is, or for Hunter to tie it up. this word starts with an N. And the word is neotony. Neotony. 
that is spelled N-E-O, like Neo, uh, T-E-N-Y. And the stress is on the ot rather than the ah. So rather than being niateni, it's niat, N-E. It is a noun. Mm. And <clears throat> does it mean the uh, A, the automatic dismissal of anything deemed to be old hat, uh, B, the retention of juvenile characteristics into adulthood, or C, one who lives on their knees? B. What was that answer, Hunter? B. B. Hunter's down for B. I'm going to say either A or C, but I'll say A. I'll say A. Ethan is down for A. And the score is tied at one. It is the retention of juvenile characteristics into adulthood. So Good. We have a tied game. And that is the game. What do these mean words mean? Okay. Well, that was good. Thanks. I try to come up with something. It's always nice to broaden one's vocabulary through fun games. If you actually, uh, if you actually take, so there's one, two, three, four. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, five words. Sorry. Mm-hmm. So, if you take the first letter of every of those five, every letter of those five words, and put them together, what do you got? I don't know. I didn't write them down. Okay. So we have uh, ecomaniac. Um, Trugabelly, hypobulic, antithalian, and neoteny. Uh, that's E. My name? Yes. Yes, yes indeed. That's, okay. that's what we do. <laughs> wow. Ah, very clever. Yeah. Lex Luthor type cleverness. Oh, thank you. That's nice. Sir, yeah. Well, we, I try to do that for each of, the, each of the guests, especially if they have a five letter name. For <laughs> Um, unfortunately, I am out of uh, Y's because there's only two, only two uh, words that start with Y in this book, and we've used them both. So, oh well, <laughs> I'll have to go to other sources for that. Anyway, so Ethan, it's been really fun. I appreciate you you're coming. I'm, this isn't the brush off. I'm just how are you feeling? You know? Uh, uh, no, this has been a lot of fun, and I appreciate it. It's a privilege to get on the show with you guys. We like what you're doing, of course, and we I appreciate that. we love the two of you. I'd like to get you guys to L.A. if possible for the event, but if not, maybe we can do some work over Halloween. Yes. Maybe. I'd, I mean, I'd love to do some stuff for Halloween uh, somehow. Uh, so we'll have to figure out that as we go from here uh, on out and probably discuss it in other forums, but I, I am excited well, we about can- the idea. Hmm. We can get Hunter into Sleepy Hollow. That'll be pretty easy for a round two, right, Hunter? And you can shoot some stuff. Absolutely, I can. And then right. if it's two, what? Go ahead. So I was going to take my fiance uh, this time around. What I really wanted to do, but unfortunately, I don't think I'm going to be able to do it in time. I wanted to take my convertible Mustang up there for a nice little road. It's not going to be road ready, but. Hmm. Well, maybe we can still get something out of the out of the recon. We'll see how it goes. We'll talk about it. And then Tyson, if you're, uh, you know, being a father, if you're stuck uh, in command mode back at the house, maybe we can just uh, prep some movie reviews. Movie reviews would be great. I could, I could do something with that. Unless you got an objective nearby you want to go explore, we can work about that. Maybe, um, keep- maybe I can do this a couple of short, uh, like pre-recorded things for you or something. You know, not, not get too, like a five-minute something. You know, something that that you could drop in if it's 
if, if, you, if you need to, but it doesn't take up too much time of the show's time or something. Yeah. Like in the event that I can't sure. do a, a live phone or because uh, I might work in the middle of the day or whatever it is. So I generally do all, all good. I've got a list of movies I'd like to do too. Mark of the Vampire by Todd Browning. Ooh, that's, I haven't seen that one. That sounds interesting. The Thing from Another World, which was really directed by Howard Hawks, even though Christian Nyby's credited as the director. Oh, the James uh, Arness one. Yeah. Yeah. That one has uh, George Fenneman like in it, I think. I think. Yes, I think he's that. Yeah. From You Bet Your Life. <laughs> yeah. So there's some possibilities for both of us, but I appreciate you guys being uh, kind enough to extend an invitation my way, and it was fun to do the show and catch up with you guys. I hope I get to do it again. Oh, yeah. We'd I'd love to have you back. Yeah. Uh, of course, I'll be uh, taking my uh, happy self up to uh, Sleepy Hollow because, you know what? In a way, it works out good because now this is round uh, number two. And, of course, uh, uh, Jessica, my fiance, has never been to Sleepy Hollow, so it'll be a, a, a nice uh, experience. Um, Good. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Well, best to your families. Give my best to Jessica. Give my best to Laura and uh, and the newborn, and oh, I hope yeah. I get to talk to you very soon. Uh, it's J- uh, my son's name is Jareth. 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 Nice. Good call. All right, brother. Yeah. Well, my, well yeah, my best to your family, too, is Alota and Sean and everybody else. Um. I, I really like uh, the home, the page on uh, BrigadeRadio1.org. I actually uh, was listening to um, s- mostly swinging uh, not long ago. I'll, I'll probably try oh, to yes. get through that series like because uh, there's only four so far on the page. And so I don't know how many are yeah. f- coming. but Don Most does a lot of movies, so it's tough. The one thing about Brigade Radio 1 that's been a challenge is so much of the production guys that do the shows are high-end production guys elsewhere that they're always on jobs. Like Steve Surgical direct probably six to ten episodes of TV a year. So his episodes sometimes drag. you know. And when Mike Lang is not directing X-Files, Charmed, or Criminal Minds, he can do his show. But And same with like Don Most or the guys from Smash Mouth or any of those other guys. You know, they try to fit it in when they can do it, but it's hard. It's challenging to get the logistics right. So if there's a show on there you'd like, I would tell everyone, just be patient. The episodes are coming at some point. <laughs> it's really cool that, that that there's so much choice over there and uh, with so many great personalities who've dedicated their uh, time to, you know, this greater thing that you've yeah. put together because you put a lot of work into everything you do. I, I, I'm almost 100% certain of that. And I'm even though I don't witness it personally, I'm almost 100% certain that that's what happens. It's all consuming and it's a storm of crazy, but it is a it is a privilege to do it. And of course, we have a lot of love for the antisocial show. Don't we have new episodes coming from you guys too at some point? We do. Yes. Yeah, there's there's more yeah. coming. Uh, we are uh, one of the few shows that's actually not done over at Universal because you guys are in two different states. Right. Right. Yeah. Oh well, that's cool. It's nice to get a spot on the roster, you know, even though we're kind of phantoms. <laughs> no, it's good. It's better. For, it's good for us. You know, you guys should actually make a recon out here at some point and just come over to Universal and do a couple of shows from the studio just so you can have the experience of doing it. We do have at least four episodes up on on video if you'd want to put them up on, uh, I don't know, the YouTube channel or something. They're available. Yeah, I can't be okay with that. Totally. Yeah, absolutely. We'd have to create. Or some links. I know now we're getting into kind of a, now this is turning into a production meeting, but we got to, we got to, we'd have to put a station tag on it probably. And that, I guess I can voice that. Oh, I've got. I put the uh, Brigade Radio One logo at the beginning of every show, and also the uh, okay. st- station ID for the audio only versions. So that's that is that that part at least has that. Props to you guys for what you've done. Congratulations on the show. Well, thank you, Ethan. Thank you for making it. You know, um, 
a pleasure to do. And thank you for involving me with the program for as many years as you have. It's been good, buddy. We've, uh, we value you. It's been a lot of fun. It's been my, my pleasure. And I appreciate it a great deal. In You're the, both heroes. Stay awesome. And until next time, we'll get you. All right. Good night. Good night. Ethan. Thank you. Good night. Again, that was the very awesome Ethan Dentmeyer of Combat Radio. You can be a part of all the awesomeness that is Combat Radio. Don't forget the uh, Halloween charity is coming up. You can be a uh, You can participate in that, of course. Um, even spreading uh, the word of mouth is participating. Um, all the links, of course, will be across their social medias, uh, across ours as well. And Tyson will throw all those up for you. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, you can actually uh, go. To, I mean, there, there, there's a whole there's a whole radio show you can listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, what time does radio uh, play on Fridays? I think it's at noon. It's my noon. understanding is that it's at noon. Uh, so, and that's, uh, it used to be on LA talk radio and I, it might still be. It's like the Mitch, well, he- the Mitch Hedberg thing where he's like, I used to do drugs. <laughs> I still do drugs, but I used to too. <laughs> it's like, it's, it might be on, it might be on, uh, I think it's on noon, uh, on, yeah. on LA talk radio. And that's the channel two of LA talk radio. There are two channels each with their separate broadcasting schedules. This might have, although it actually might be out of you know go to brigadio1.org because that might be where the show archive is um, if you want to listen because I don't know that I can find it on on iTunes but if I can I'll put a link probably here so. yes yes indeed and, and of course uh, be part of the Christmas uh, event too that's coming up which is going to be awesome mm-hmm. but uh, it's not uh, the laboratory working on the uh, haunted tour number two as we speak right now it's going to be jam-packed full of awesomeness where tyson of course reprises his role as uh mr l and of course i'm mr uh not mr i want to say mr i don't know why i'm fritz. um but it's uh, mr fritz mr fritz i think like we have uh, tyson we have uh uh new rooms uh this year uh totally different script both awesome and uh a lot of surprises so it's just a lot of so go check that. Wouldn't that be funny if we were just doing the same script over again? Yes, that well, would be. Well, you know, we can do a remaster at some point where uh, we can re-record uh, certain parts uh, with better the better equipment that I have, the better equipment that you have. Um, yes. Maybe if there's time for any of that in the future, so <laughs> we'll see. Uh, shall I get the sign up, or did you want to say anything more? Yes. Well, uh, essentially, it's, it's you know it's all about uh, you know the life happenings and things uh, things like that. So it's uh, you know and uh, no, I think I think that's it. Uh, 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 what else did I want to say? I don't think there's anything else I wanted to uh, bring up tonight. So on that, that's, well, that's all. Okay. Well, that's all the time we have for Antisocial Show. I'm Tyson Sainer, and I'm Hunter Block. Be decent to each other. Absolutely. Peace. Have a good time, folks.